Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thanks so much for being with us here on the program today. We're going to forego our preliminary announcements to jump right into our conversation having to do with uh, my job, my career, your job, your career, your vocation. There are a lot of different ways that we can put this, and we're going to put it uh, this way. We're going to talk today about how to ignite your career. That's right, how to get your career uh, going, if you will, if you haven't already done so. We hope that uh, maybe you have, but if you're not, are you ready to take the first or next step in your career? How would you like to ignite your career? And if so, uh, you may be looking for a spark of inspiration and some tips on how to get started. But if you want to fully unleash your potential and take it to the next level, don't settle for a spark. We're going to talk to you about igniting your career. Who is we? Well, we is yours truly, Richard Dugan, host of Tell Me Your Story, and my guest, Chris Holmes. She's the author of Ignite Your Career, also the website, igniteyourcareerbook.com, as well, and this is Strategies and Tactics to Unleash Your Potential, which is what we talk about so often on the program. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Richard, thank you for having me. You know, um, I have been what I consider to be very fortunate. My father told me many years ago, before I, I think even before I got into broadcasting, he says, find a job you love to do. Don't get stuck like me. Now, first of all, I need to say my father did not stay stuck, okay? My father went back to college uh, in Phoenix, went to junior college in Phoenix and got his computer programming degree when there was fanfold paper and punch cards and got his computer programming degree and was able to continue on until his day of retirement. The man is 90 years old this year and wow. is still going strong, does not like it when I refer to him as a wise man, but <laughs> he's given me a lot of great advice that I've really tried to follow. And um, that is one of the most important ones. I don't know if I was born under a lucky star uh, to the right parents at the right time in the right century. All I know is that it has felt as though I've been in the right place at the right time as far as my career goes. Now, the whole financial thing, that's a whole nother story we won't go into right now. <laughs> but the career part, if I were doing this for three or four hours a day, five days a week, interviewing you, interviewing other people, mm -hmm. doing that, I would be in heaven. It would be absolutely fantastic to do that. And that's, that's my dream. That's my goal. That's my yeah. vision. Now I'm 60. I have to outlive my great grandmother on my mother's side who lived to be 100. So I've still got a lifetime to go. So it's still possible that I'll get that financial yes. thing worked out. Um, when we talk about a career, we're talking more than just a career. Aren't we talking about a vocation, what you love to do, as opposed to, look, young man, you are going to become a lawyer, a doctor, a senator, uh, this or that. But, Dad, that's not, I want to go into the arts. There's no money in the arts. You're going to college and you're going to study, da 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 da. That's not, we're not talking about that aspect. We are, are we talking about what's, what's in here that we really want to do? It's a great question, Richard. And I think there are two parts of it. So what, what you're talking about is two parts. One is what your strengths are, what you love doing because it's innately what you're great at. The other part that you're touching on a little bit is your passions. And while I agree with you completely on the first part, figuring out what you're innately great at, what your strengths are and finding jobs and careers that align with that, I think you're better off putting your passions on pause until later in your career and building an amazing foundation that aligns with your strengths so that down the road you can marry your career with your passions and have both. But if you try to follow your passions too early, sometimes you may be hurting your long-term career. Hmm. Well, now, we're often asked, 
as little kids. What do you want to mm-hmm. be when you grow up? Yeah. In high school, usually it's the junior year, but sometimes earlier, we're asked, so um, what are you going to major in life? What are you going to major in college? And most young people have no clue. They don't know what they want to do because they haven't experienced enough of life yet. So it seems to me we have to start with the adults, with the parents, with the mentors, if you will, uh, in terms of what? Allowing the young people to uh, figure out what direction they want to go and how do you how do they do that i mean i guess the yeah. first thing is how do the adults the mentors the parents etc cetera, etc cetera, how do they allow the individual young person to make that determination and then how does the young person even begin the process of making any determination I, I, it's uh, that is the question I mean, that's, that is the most important question. So I think there are a couple things. One, you kind of mentioned it at the very beginning when you were talking about, you know, I'm supposed to be a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or whatever. A lot of people follow in the family footsteps, not because they want to, but because it's expected. And so I think for families and parents, letting that go, and realizing that we are all individuals and and come to the table with different strengths. I think that's the first thing. I think the other thing is that a lot of high schools now are tapping into assessments, even in high school, like juniors and seniors, Mm -hmm. where there are assessments that these kids in high schools can take that help figure out how their brain is wired. And that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. With experience, you get more experience and, and you learn more things. But how your brain is wired and what you're innately great at doesn't really change over time. So if you can figure that out early on and where that might take you, it is, it is empowering, enlightening, and exciting. Now... You, you've mentioned something extremely important. I just watched this movie uh, the other day. It was a cute little movie um, about these young folks. They were in high school, seniors, yeah. and they were getting ready to graduate and deciding what college to go to. But you've just said something that um, we need to talk about because you just made the statement that you've got to figure out as a young person what you're good at. And a lot of times we don't know. That's true. <clears throat> but there are ways to figure that out. There are maybe yes. some aptitude tests that one can take. I took an aptitude test at 19 years of age. Now, I'm a broadcast producer, as I like to call myself. You know what my aptitude test said I should be? Hmm. Farmer. Now, <laughs> I'm not far from that because of where I live. My wife has this beautiful greenhouse. I love working outside. I love right. working with the chainsaw and with the this and the that and the other, cutting firewood and, and, and building stuff and those types of things. So there is still right. some of that element of hands-on. I like the, de- the do-it-yourself. Sure. But you, Im- I don't even want to say you implied this. You almost stated this without saying the words. Not everybody is suited for college. Not everybody should go to college. Am I wrong in what I was hearing? Well, I, and truly, Richard, I wasn't saying that. No, I no, do no. think you're right. I do think you're right that not everybody is. And yet I am a proponent of college mm-hmm. for many people. I also am biased. I love liberal arts colleges um, because I think they help you learn how to think and how to question. Mm-hmm. And that, that sets you up for huge success, independent of what you do. You can always specialize later. Right. Um, but and, and many of these assessments, whether it's strength finders or you science, they don't put you in a box. They tell you here are all the different things that your special makeup could lead you to. I, I one of the VPs of you science his son had all these different things he could do. And two of them were, you could be um, the head of a construction company, mm-hmm. meaning you could your organizational skills are such that you would be phenomenal doing that. Or you could be a doctor. 
you know, they were the two that most interested him. Very different career paths, but the same analytical intelligence, quantitative expertise that could make him successful either way. So I'm not saying that these access, these assessments are perfect. I'm saying they just give you a sense of where you will be set up for success because of how your brain is wired. You're listening to a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And this is the line where I say, Chris, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Our educational system doesn't seem to be doing that, other than what you've, the example you've just given us. And I want to talk more about that as we continue here talking about this. But I want to remind our listeners that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., as well as this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we also encourage you to go to our guest's website. In this case, it is uh, Chris Holmes' website, which is Ignite yourcareerbook.com. We encourage you to go there to find out more about, not only about Chris, but also about the book. Get yourself a copy. It wouldn't hurt. Uh, bear in mind, this is not an infomercial. I want I want to make that very clear. Yeah, I am very, I'm a, Chris, I'm a strong advocate for education. But what I have learned is I've had to change my definition because it isn't about institutional education. There's no, I'm not saying that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with it. I went to grade school and high school, did the 12 years, okay? Yeah. I finished, yeah. I, 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 I did my sentence, I did my time, and I was released. And uh, then I went on to take six months off. And I didn't even work. I was living with my parents. Uh, then I went to a broadcast school, but I also uh, went back to college. I went to a junior college. Okay. Took, took three semesters. I, I don't think the credits are any good anymore, but be that as mm-hmm. may, that was 40 years ago. I, uh, I went to junior college. I took English. I thought I was going to fear the daylights out of it. The morning of the first day, they said, here's your syllabus, and we're going to be doing five essays. I don't know how to write an essay. Well, that's what the class was for, to learn how. Right. And I had a blast. Sure. Had a blast. Uh, then I found out about a radio job. You know, and I was working for the audiovisual department at that college at the time. Loved working with audio and video equipment. I thought, eh, yeah. okay, why not? Uh, and then, and then I went to broadcast school while I was working for that station for six months. It was a six-month course. I jokingly say right. I knew more coming going in than I did going out, so to speak, just because it was kind of a. It wasn't your. It, it, they did not have all the right equipment, and I did have to give them credit. Because they could take an old tube-type amplifier, stereo amplifier that you'd had back in the 60s. My dad had one. And they converted it into a console for radio, which was, I said, hey, my hat's off. You work with what you have until you get what you want, which is one of my philosophies. So... I just wanted to uh, remind our listeners with all of that that this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we also want you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. And we're going to talk about this, I think, next, Chris. Okay. Going within, seeking out that still, small voice and finding that calm, quiet, peaceful place where you can just relax, rejuvenate, re-energize, recharge, as it were, and get the guidance you need. Tell me about our intuition in this regard, in terms of igniting our career. How important is that? What role do you see it playing and all of the, yeah. all of the other wonderful questions I could throw at you? I'm not going yeah. to let you answer yeah. the question. <laughs> um, so I think intuition comes into play in a couple places. One comes into play when, like when I was in my career in marketing before I switched over recruiting, when I knew that I was good at marketing, but I was never going to be great. And, and my my gut told me no matter how hard I tried, there were just parts of that puzzle that I was never going to excel at. Um, so so that was my I like a little voice in the back of my head saying, mm, is this really the right place? So that's one place where intuition kind of, mm-hmm. I think, comes into play. I think the other place is sometimes fit within the company. It, it's like, 
do you feel like you fit? Do you feel happy? Do you feel like you can be your authentic self? Do you feel like you're appreciated and um, that uh, you're excited to go to work every day and, and be around the people? Because truly the times I've been happiest at work haven't been quite as much about the job. It's been when the culture fits. And I think your intuition often tells you when that's not right. And oftentimes you can shift doing the exact same job at another company where that culture fit is right and you will just take off. So you can do tweaks on both those things, listening to your intuition. You may not even be able to say in words what's wrong, but you gotta listen to your gut. The other place is in um, interviewing. You know, interviewing, it's like you can write down the pluses and minuses if you're thinking about companies. But I always say to people in the end, it's your head and your heart. And that's what I think gut and intuition is. It's the two of them combined. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, obvious, an obvious question, which we've already sort of addressed, <clears throat> is that this book is geared more towards uh, uh, the graduate and the young professional, if you will. Although I, I don't know how, <clears throat> I, I still have trouble with the word professional. I'd like to consider myself a quote-unquote professional. been doing sure. this for 40 years. Um, unlike doctors, they're always practicing. You know, you jokingly say, well, they never get it right because they're always practicing. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, the only the only time you get it right is after you've gone. You've after you've left. Ah, got it. OK, but I don't need to do it anymore because oh, I'm not there anymore. Right. One of the things that I've learned and I want to talk this, about this a little bit is that um, the, the, the paradox. And I, I remember running into this when I went out for my first job. Now, I should say my first f official brick and mortar job. My first job was as a paper boy. And if that job was still available, I would do it. I'm not kidding you. Because of the people that I met, and I guess this is just the type of personality that I am. I, I, I enjoyed working yeah. on my own, being out in the out and outside and so forth. But when you go to find that first job, here's the paradox. Well, I'm sorry, Richard. Um, we'd love to hire you, love your enthusiasm, but you don't have any experience. But, but... See, here's the problem I have, sir. If I don't get a job, how am I supposed to get the experience in order to get the job to get the experience? You know, you see the, the dilemma. How, how, do you, how do you go about addressing that? You know, it's a great question. And especially now during the pandemic where so many internships were canceled. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm telling people, you know, that you do what you have to do to make the money you have to make, but then try to see if you can layer on an unpaid internship. It might be 15 or 20 hours a week with a family friend, with somebody from your high school or your college, with somebody else where you can get some experience that you can then talk to in interviews. The other thing is, you know, during an interview, oftentimes you can talk about examples that came from school. Doesn't just have to be accomplishments that were on the job. It can be accomplishments where you were able to deal with a challenging person on a project that you worked on. If you're in a sports team, how you were able to motivate the team from coming from behind to winning the state championship. There are all different ways you can prove leadership and initiative and analytical skills outside of the workforce. But I would tell you that unpaid internship or even during school, oftentimes the career centers can connect you with local companies that need help, market research or whatever, whatever you have to do to get the experience. And I'll give you, Richard, really quick example of somebody here in St. Louis who I know whose internship imploded last year. And she is somebody who's really into fashion and wanted to do business the beginning of the pandemic when we were all cleaning out our closets. And I told her mom that I had all of this, all of these clothes that I didn't know what to do with because nobody was accepting stuff. And this girl decided to do a clothing drive for women. And she collected all of this professional women's clothing. And she found this amazing charity, which was this prison, incarcerated women who were coming back into the workforce 
and donated the clothing to them. And she did it all, marketed it, raised it all, put it on her resume and looks amazing. Shows initiative, creativity, project management skills, leadership. So it's a great example of what you can do without having a job. One of the other lessons that I have learned over the years, too, uh, and I've had very few of these jobs, but during uh, I started in this business August 29th of of 1979, (laughs) I was 19 years old, and although I will say that even being a paper boy uh, was was great experience in terms of meeting people and conversing and interacting. But that is one of the things, the lessons that I l- learned. It took me a while because I have, I've worked in a warehouse. Um, I worked for a multi-level marketing company. Okay. And when I was working for these companies, I, I, I'm going, yeah, this isn't really what I want to do. I need the money, of course, but this is And then I also worked for another company here in Santa Barbara when I first moved here called Bargain Network, where they sold these little pamphlets uh, in regards to uh, buying homes. Uh, and it was a $29.95 uh, subscription, monthly subscription. You get a, new, get a new pamphlet for your area every month. I absolutely hated that job. And the real irony was, another one of my father's phrases, Richard, You could sell ice cubes to Eskimos, and I was really good at that job, but I... I'm sure. Absolutely loathed it, Uh, you know, and, uh, but the the, the lesson that I took away from all of those non-radio jobs was, there was no wasted time in any of them. There was something within each one of those jobs that loosely or tightly fit into what I really wanted to do, where I really wanted to go. I love doing production. I love working with my hands. Um, I love creating and serving people, uh, I, I, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And so I was able to glean from each of those jobs something that I was able to take to the next level and the next level. So I've learned and and, and I'm, I'm adventure that this is the same comment that might come from some young people. It's like, no, I don't want to take that has nothing to do with my major or what I really want to do. Do you have to convince sometimes you've got to show them? Well, actually, if you really look deeply into this job that you say doesn't fit your career goals, you're going to see there are bits and pieces. Yeah, and I think that's right. And I think so many so much of this job is demonstrating you can be successful, but also learning what you love and learning what you don't love. And then course correcting to get more of the good stuff versus the bad stuff as you go on. Mm. So I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I think that, yeah. You're listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan here with Chris Holmes, and we're talking about her latest book, Ignite Your Career. We are, and I jokingly said this before we even started, I said, we are not telling you to reinterpret that as set fire to your job. Do not. We take no responsibility. Do not do that. We want you to set fire to your life, and, and it takes more than just a spark. We're going to talk about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, and we want you to stay with us. Chris, let's talk a little bit about that ignition point and what it is that we need. Now, now you talk about how, yeah, we need the spark, and that's true, right. but we need more than that. And to ignite something, I mean, I was watching uh, uh, I was watching some uh, video the other day um, of different uh, rocket launches, from the Saturn V to the shuttle. And I'm watching the rockets. They just start to flare up and the flames and the thing. And you hear the shuddering and... and Unbelievable, right? Now, that's what I call an ignition. Yes. How do we do that for our careers? It's a great question. So I, I, I think the most important thing to do, Richard, is know where you are in your career. And at the you know, as, as my book says, there are three phases. I believe there's learn, do, leverage. And at the learning phase, your goal is to get the best foundation you can, which means get the best training, the, learn the best practices. And that means either be at a top training company or learn from people who have been there. So I tell people, look, even if it means you've got to go to 
Nina, Wisconsin, or, you know, somewhere that is not where you want to live long term, if you can go to some place like that to get the best training for a couple years, then you can leverage that to go where you want to go long term. So that's how you're going to ignite your career by building that sturdy foundation that you can then leverage and build on long term to build a higher, higher, higher career. And that's the best way you can do it. And that's why I said earlier on, don't let your passions get in the way of building that foundation, because that's what I see happening too often. People try to follow their pet, their passions, and then they have a crumbly foundation that they've got to go rebuild five or six years down the road. You know, it's it's also uh, equivalent to a toolbox and, and acquiring mm-hmm. all of the necessary tools. And if you don't have all yes. of the necessary tools... Uh, then you aren't going to be able to do the job. But there's another side of that. You could have all the tools in the world. And if you don't know how to use them, then you're in the same boat as if you didn't have all of the tools that you needed. Uh, That's one of the reasons why, from an educational stand, institutional educational standpoint, brick and mortar, uh, I am a strong opponent of remedial courses in college. If you're going to college, you better already know how to read and write. And again, I'm not going to castigate or cast blame on anyone. I'm going to say if you are a person who doesn't know how to read or write or do math, then let's get you to learn how to read and write and do math so that you can go straight into college and jump in with both feet and go after Whatever it is you want, even if it is a liberal arts degree to start with, to try to figure out what it is that you want to do. I I mean, you know, I'm I'm not here to blame or castigate anybody. I want to lift people up and I want to educate them. I I want them to have those tools to each of the successive levels. Yep. You know? No, I I don't disagree. Um, and, And yet I think sometimes because there's such disparity Across yes. the country, across schools. Yeah. Sometimes I do think those entry-level courses are needed to get everybody on the same page. Well, and I would throw it back to the grade schools and the high schools. Come on, let's get with yeah. the program and teach these kids what they need to have so that when they go into these higher uh, institutions of learning, that they're ready to go. And I realize, yeah. I realize that, you know, there's, there's the issue of money. There's the issue. There, there are a lot of issues in revol- revolving around the first 12 years. And yeah. I do get that. But there are so many, op- uh, so, so many places where you can find what it is that you need and not being ashamed of it. I, I, I've been amazed at some of the corporate heads who, when they became a corporate head, didn't know how to read, didn't know how to write, didn't know how to do basic math. They do now because they realized it was something that they really needed or wanted. They wanted that. Maybe they didn't. This is an amazing thing to me. What people accomplish even with no GED, with no high school diploma, you know. Um, But why go down that road of struggle and difficulty, you know? I mean, I was born legally blind. I had a hell of a time reading, let alone writing. I remember going through a personal growth program in my in my 30s, and uh, they asked us to write something. And so on a piece of paper, I wrote, and I wrote it in block letters because I figured if somebody else is going to read this, because I knew that was going to be the process, they right. better be able to read it. Because if I do it in cursive, which I do know how to do, they're going to have a hell of a time deciphering it. Well, the person, one of the people that I gave it to stood up in the group and made a, it wasn't a, a necessarily a judgmental comment about my handwriting, but they just kind of brought it up and said, you know, you should really learn how to blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of brought, taken onto the carpet. Well, I talked with them afterwards and I explained to them why I had done it. And they then understood why I had done it. Sure. So, um, and I hated reading in front of the class. Oh, my God, it was the worst. And I'm in a radio where you've got to read stuff? Seriously? Right. Well, that's why. I, I, I want people to get beyond. There is no shame in it. It's just that you haven't learned. And I want you to learn it. I mean, right. If I can help you to learn it, I'll help you to learn it. My present wife has, has dyslexia. 
hated reading out loud, was always made to feel inferior to all of the students. She will now read out loud to me almost flawlessly and fluently. I won't even try to correct her as she's trying to get through a particular word. I will let her work it out. Now, if she asks me, I will help her. But, right. but it's, it's one of those things that I just, I don't know, maybe it's because of my visual impairment that I, I take this position. I mean, my first wife was totally blind. So, and I learned how to read Braille. I don't anymore, <laughs> but I did that. That's then. awesome. And I also learned how to sign. So it is possible. Uh, if you can work on a computer, then you've actually learned another language, computer language. Right. So right. is that something else that we need to do? And I know I've been going on along here, a long time here, but is that something else that we need to take a look at as we continue here? We, we need to look at those little things that we've done over the course of time. Maybe I learned sign language. Well, you've learned another language. You know, you're bilingual or maybe trilingual because you know computer language. Now, granted, that's not going to translate to an employer in the same fashion. There's, well, that's not really bilingual, but you have the capacity to learn. Well, I would put it in as interests and, um, you know, aptitude, quick study. You can talk about it in an interview. You can talk about it as, you know, ability to, you know, pick things up quickly and you can give it as an example of here was a situation, you know, and, and what you did and why you did it quickly. And it just shows your agility and your ability to deal with situations very appropriately and quickly. And that's a positive thing. They want people who can solve problems in very productive manner. Can your interests get you over the work experience hump in some cases? If you have good examples okay. of how you have solved problems, and again, it doesn't always have to be work. It can be from class. It can be from sports. It can be from band. It can be from many different things. It can be from family you know, things you've overcome. So you can use a lot of different examples. Okay. Um, it doesn't just have to be work, but again, you can find things to do and you can do volunteer work. And Richard, you can use those examples as well. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to be creative and you've got to do, do the work to, to write up the examples so that they resonate and demonstrate you have a certain skill that they're looking for. That's the key. We're talking with Chris Holmes, author of Ignite Your Career. IgniteYourCareer.com. Uh, I beg your pardon, IgniteYourCareerBook.com is the website we want you to go to, and we want you to continue listening as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, where we have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are uh, reposting us to. I thank you for doing that. I'm a one-man band. I can't, I can't get to them all, so thank you for doing that. We're on YouTube. You can actually watch these interviews on YouTube on my channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the hat, okay? And we hope that you will uh, support us. If you can financially, we would greatly appreciate that. That's why we have a PayPal account. That's for your security as well as ours. So we uh, thank you so much for being a part of this program and for sharing yourselves by sharing this time with us. And uh, I've gotten some interesting uh, emails from folks who are listening all over the place. I even look at my Spotify um, not my Spotify, my SoundCloud statistics. Uh, and I can't believe the countries around the world that uh, people are listening to us on. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Chris, I want to ask why this is so important to you. Why does this matter? Um, yeah, so it matters for a couple reasons. So Richard, I talk to people all day, every day, but my ability to reach broad scale people is limited by my ability to get on the phone and talk to them. There are only so many hours and minutes in a day. And the information that I and the O'Connell group has developed over my 26 years with them is really powerful. And it is relevant, not just for kids coming out of college, but all the way up to chief marketing officers, head of function in market research. And we take everybody through the same thing. So it is so important to me because I think this is information that is really needed in the marketplace before the pandemic. And then after the pandemic, even more so, it is 
it's meaningful, it's actionable. And my philosophy is that, you know, there are great schools out there. And then there are great schools that just don't have the support. They don't have well-developed career centers, don't have the funding. And those kids don't have the people behind them to help them through this process. And so I want them to have this book so that they can take the bull by the horns and they can actively manage their career and ignite it Hmm. just like the other kids would. So that's why it's so important to me. So... I'm curious about your entrance into the workplace. Yeah. How was that for you compared to what you're asking people to do now through your book, Ignite, My, uh, Ignite Your Career? So um, I was very lucky. So I went to Northwestern's Kellogg Business School. I was very lucky to get in. If I was trying to now, I don't think I would. Um, and I fell in love with marketing, um, brand management specifically. And um was lucky enough to spend a decade at, with wonderful companies, Johnson & Johnson, Kraft, Herman Miller Furniture Company, and a division of Nestle, Purina. Um, and so after a decade where I, as I mentioned before, I was good. There were certain parts of my job I was great at, and there were other parts of my job that were a struggle. I got them done, but boy, did I have to work hard. And after a decade, my company was sold. And I was trying to figure out what to do next. And I looked at the job a level ahead and it didn't excite me. You talk about gut and instinct. It actually made me really uncomfortable. And I called my favorite recruiter, Brian O'Connell, and said, hey, we don't want to leave St. Louis. We want to raise our kids here. And he threw out, come work for me. (laughs) And he had been my... Yeah, he had been my favorite recruiter for a decade, and it really took me back. But I did that self-assessment to figure out what are my favorite parts of the job? What do I love doing? What am I good at? And I realized every part of my job that I loved was tied to people. And I talked to mentors who said, I think you'd be really good at that. Go try it for a year, and you'll know if you're good and you like it. And I decided to go try it. And Within about a week, I realized this, this job fits me like a glove. Mm. It, it's like breathing. It's not hard. In fact, there were times I almost felt guilty because it came so easily to me. And I felt like, wait, this is wrong that I'm doing so well and getting paid quite well uh-huh. because it's not hard. Yeah. And I came to realize that if you're doing a job that aligns with your strengths, that's what happens. You're, you're going to be very successful. I, and that is the core. I was told when I first started working for a commercial station in 1980, uh, along with the uh, radio reading service that I started at in 79, uh, I felt so right where I needed to be yeah. that I wanted to say, and I may have even said this to my my general manager at the time, you know, if I could survive, uh, uh, you know, if I could survive, you know, afford my apartment, blah, 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 I would do this for nothing. I love doing this so much, you know, and there was even a time and I was only making minimum wage at the time. And back then it was 365 an hour. Okay. 365. And they want 15. (laughs) That's all they want. Anyway. Uh, and I used to say, ah, oh, they don't, I can't believe they pay me this much, 365 an hour, to push buttons and do this. This is, this is crazy. Uh, and, and of course, I know, I know now, of course, there's a whole lot more to it. And yeah, I would love to be making more money. What about that aspect of it? Because obviously, it is one of the reasons why we go out and we get an education. Now, it, it bothers mm-hmm. me a little bit that that's one of the reasons it's like, is that what our lives have come down to? And we perpetuate this from generation to the generation to generation where, um, you know, this is all there is. It's like that old song. Is that all there is? Is just making money? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you balance that? How do you help young people in particular to balance right. that? Because that's a hard one because of how bombarded we all are, including young people, sure. uh, from the media to the educational institutions and and sometimes even to our parents. 
It's a tough one. I mean, Richard, I would tell you people have to really sit back and figure out what are their goals, you know, and, and where are they in their lives and what's most important is experience. Most important is making a lot of money early on is finding out your passion. You know, what are your goals today? And there are certain points in your life where that financial security may be most important. You may have kids, you may be, you know, you may be at that point in your life where you may have to give a little bit mm -hmm. on the job of your dreams and there may be trade-offs, but I think it's, it's self-awareness and um, realization of what your needs and goals are at the moment and, and being proactive um, at your phase of life. I don't think there's a right and wrong answer. I think there's a right and wrong answer for a certain moment for a certain person. So the balancing has to be done literally on an individual basis mm -hmm. because everybody's circumstances are different. Yes. We are talking with Chris Holmes. We are talking about her latest book and the website IgniteYourCareerBook.com. Ignite Your Career is the title of the book. And we will be linked to her website. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I do thank you so much for joining us. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We have the podcasts I mentioned earlier on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations as well. If I find another one, I'm... I haven't figured out yet, folks, how to get on iHeart. If you can figure it out, let me know. I'll, I'll put up my, my programs up on iHeart. We also are on YouTube. I figured that one out. And I am the one who edits the videos, so they are what they are. Now, I'm not going to make excuses or, or say they are as good as they're going to get or what. Hey, I am, I am impressed in one sense, and I say this humbly, Chris. I'm impressed with my ability to, to transition from audio editing to video editing. I didn't do it until July of 2020. I uh, didn't have to. And now that's what, that's what people are able to see these videos. And I can have these wonderful little backgrounds behind me that remind me of where I really want to be doing <laughs> these interviews, whether it's via Zoom or whether I Zoom on a plane to a location and do the interviews there. This is just a, it's a fabulous opportunity. And we thank you folks for, for tuning into these programs. Chris, I want to ask you about... And this would apply not just to the young people, not just to the graduates and the young professionals, but this would also apply to those who may have lost their jobs. Millions of people have lost their jobs over this pandemic period in 2020 in particular. Millions of people lost their jobs in 2008, 2009 during that economic turndown. Uh, and uh, the first thought that went through my mind, Chris, was I wonder how many of those millions hated their jobs, couldn't stand their jobs. And my understanding is entrepreneurialism exploded in 2009, yeah. 2010, which actually has happened during the pandemic. I mean, just for example, the number of mask creators to help keep us safe, you know. Sure. But there's an element of looking for work that hasn't changed, apparently. And, and please help me to understand this and correct me if I'm wrong. The resume or they call it the CV now. Either one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have one and it lists, uh, you know, sort of my goal at the top and then each of the stations I've worked at. And of course, I've incorporated the logos from each of the stations as a graphic. I thought that would be kind of cute. Set it, set it apart from the others. Uh, unlike in Legally Blonde, I'm not going to spritz my pink paper with perfume or cologne. Thank you. <laughs> but now everything is done online for the most part. I mean, I'm connected with LinkedIn. I'm familiar uh, sure. Hell, I, I haven't I haven't updated my profile. I don't know the last time I updated my profile since I joined. But those elements are still part of the job seeking process, are they not? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. If they are, uh, the old traditional format that I just described to you that I have it doesn't work that way anymore, does it? Or does it? Will it? Oh, work? I I think it does. I mean, to me, um, I, I'm old school when it comes to resumes, and I am all about 
clean and clear and concise and compelling. I want your resume to tell me who you are, where you've worked, what your responsibilities have done and what you've delivered and how you've progressed. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, hiring managers during the pandemic are, have seen a tenfold increase in resumes being submitted to jobs. Mm. They are overwhelmed and they don't want to look at fancy. They don't want to have to work to look at resumes. If they spend six or eight seconds looking at your resume, you are lucky. So they're doing a quick glance to see what companies have you worked at? What titles have you had? Quick responsibilities and what results have you had? And if you're not rising to the top, you go into the circular file. So anybody who's trying to be fancy with pictures and other things, um, trying to differentiate themselves that way is losing. Mm. The simpler and cleaner you can make it and easier to read and see what's on the resume the better luck you're going to have getting a day in court for the interview. Which is the most important, a, uh, a, a hard copy resume in an envelope mailed or emailed or a combination thereof? What's what's the best way to go? I think emailed. Okay. Um, because, and, and I'm not saying applying online because I do not, I think that's the lowest chance. I have a whole chapter on how best to apply for roles. And I think applying online is the lowest odds mm -hmm. of any success at all. So, but emailing to, first of all, if you have a recruiter that you trust who's working on the job, that's the best way because they have direct contact to the hiring manager and the human resources person, and they've been asked to fill that job. So they're bringing the best slate forward. Next is if you've worked with somebody in the past who works at that company who knows you, that's the next best. And third best is if you have a friend who works at the company who can advocate you on culture fit. And worst case is if you don't know anybody, you apply online, but then you've got to tailor your job to the specific job you're applying to because companies are using artificial intelligence to sift through those thousands of resumes and pick out the 20 that are closest to the role that they're looking for. Okay. So you've got to really work hard. So um, is it still, is the rule of thumb, a rule of thumb still who you know more than what you know? No, it is what you know and what you've delivered. Um, who you know may get your resume to the right person, which is a benefit, but it's not going to ever get you the job. Okay. May so, get you a chance to talk to somebody about the job and that's it. Yeah. But, but my dad's the CEO. How come I'm not getting his job? Cause uh, we're, cause not into, right we're not right. into nepotism for one. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we, you don't have the right skills. So. Um, as we as we uh, uh, continue our conversation here, talking about this whole aspect of career uh, and igniting your career, title of the book, Chris Holmes, my guest. What what are the top three pieces of um, advice? The top three, uh, and you can go from three down to one mm. if you want. Uh, okay. unlike David Letterman or to do the top 10, starting with 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what are the top three that you would give to a young person and a graduate? And would this advice also apply to, let's say the senior set there, some of them are still having to work and find work. And of course they have the experience and so sure. on and so forth. So I'll let you, let you take it from here. Okay. So first one we already talked about, first one would be really make sure you know your strengths. What are your strengths and where do they set you up for? And make sure the roles, the careers, everything you're heading towards are going to align with those strengths. So you're like my second phase of my career versus my first. So that, that's the first thing. Second one is, we haven't talked about this, is network. And network from Day one, if you haven't done it from day one, start today. Networking is an incredibly powerful thing to do throughout your career. It's kind of like when you start working, um, starting to contribute to your 401k 
and, and just letting that go. It's this annuity that builds over time. And you can network with people from high school and college, people you've worked with in the past. They can be mentors. They can offer advice and career. And if you ever need a job, it's so easy to activate that network mm-hmm. if you have kept it going. So networking is the second thing. Okay, before you the, go on to the third one. Yes. I need to ask you regarding networking. Yes. What are the pluses and minuses of social media in reference to networking? So the the pluses are it's really easy to find and connect with people. So via LinkedIn or Facebook, um, you can find people from your high school or your college that have backgrounds you're interested in and you can reach out to them. The negative is you've got to be really careful of what you're putting out there because whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever else, the world can see it. And and so you've got to be careful about your persona because as you are interviewing, you need to know potential employers are going to check you out. And they want to make sure that you fit with their culture professionally, but personally as well. So that's a very good question. Um, it, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. All right. Going on to number three or number one, however you want to look at it. And, the last and one. Num- last one is you've got to do interview prep. Um, I am a huge believer that getting to the point where you're actually invited to do an interview and not doing an enormous amount of homework is like going to Harvard and leaving one class, one test before you graduate. It is probably the most foolish thing you can do. And so I am a huge believer in investing in yourself, doing homework, figuring out your stories, how to bring them to life, doing homework on the company, networking, and and really going for every single job so that you can get the offer and then decide later, do I want the offer? But your goal should be every interview you go to, to connect with them, to woo and wow them and have them walk away saying, she's the one, I want that person on my team. Okay, I wanna be hired in the PR or marketing department. Should I take the attitude that if I can at least get in the door, even if I'm working in the mail room, if there is still a mail room, (laughs) uh, then I'm gonna do that. At least now I'm inside. I would look at the track record of the company. There are certain companies, um, like Procter & Gamble is a good one. Uh, They have taken people from Salesforce, from research and development, from engineering, and they have moved them to marketing. Those folks work closely with marketing. And if those people show that they have marketing chops and the marketing team buys into them, they will shift them into marketing. There are other companies that no matter how good they are, they will not do that. So, Richard, I would tell you, do your homework on the company. Mm -hmm. And if they're predisposed to it, what the heck? But if they're not, I wouldn't because you're going to be just banging your head against the wall. I know that all of the people I have ever hired in broadcasting uh, that I have trained, uh, I have always encouraged them, as I was encouraged, learn everything you can about every aspect of this business. After you've done that, you can specialize, but not until. And that doesn't mean you become an expert in all of these areas. It -hmm. just means you learn. I could not believe in 2000, uh, actually, I went to work for a a radio station in 1999. September 1st, I was hired. And it was like I was embraced by a family. It was incredible because the job prior to that was like I had just left hell. I mean, it it was a hostile work environment. Sure. So there I am. And I am learning, uh, of course, all of the aspects of automation, which I was vaguely familiar with. And I uh, was learning this and that and the other. And then in November, believe it or not, on Veterans Day, November the 11th, they were starting to have meetings with every single employee and they were cutting staff. And I was the last Mm -hmm. one hired. Well, we all know the rule. Last one hired, first one fired, right? Right. I made the cut. I made the cut. And then in this January of 2000, they did it again. I'm thinking, I'm gone. I made right. the cut. It wasn't until March 
Then I didn't, along with the PD, program director. We both were gone. But two weeks later, I was called to come back to work as a contract laborer to run the radio station, which meant I had to do what they call traffic, which is basically making sure that the commercials and the promos and all that kind of stuff were in the automation system to play uh, during the broadcast day. Okay. Well, I knew about that whole element, but I hadn't learned much. So the company that had the software, the company that uh, manufactured the software, was getting a call from me sometimes two and three times a day. But they didn't have a problem with that. And, you know, and I got over the, the concerns of, I don't mean to bother you guys again today, but. Right. And I learned how to do track. And now that's one of the jobs that I have here at this station that I'm working at that, uh, that we're on. And. I've learned that, well, gee, all these traffic programs are pretty much the same. All, the only difference between that and doing it by hand, which I used to do at the religious station I worked at, which was the first commercial station, uh, where you had to handwrite the stuff in uh, to, the print, to, the, to, the, to the form, if you will, uh, yeah. is that now there's an algorithm that does it for you. You put all the commercials in and, and the lengths and when, when you want these to run, and then you run the log, and they just pop, 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 and it just puts it in, and it's beautiful. And so uh, I learned how to do that. And, of course, as I said, now video editing. So I don't know where all of this is going to lead. I'm hoping that it leads, in a manner of speaking, away from those elements and more into you and me, you, uh, me and others, Conversing on a regular basis, seven days, five days a week, um, where they're paying me to do this, to 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 draw out of people like you the information that is needed and is so critical. I'll be honest with you, it is because mm -hmm. what you are talking about is a level of education that would you say is 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 uh, uh, diminishing, lacking, non-existent. In the workforce today or in the, the, the future workforce, they're not teaching these kinds of things uh, in school in spite of the fact that, uh, you know, that the juniors and seniors have to start taking tests and this and that and the other to start preparing to get into the colleges that they want uh, so yeah. that they can pursue the career that they want, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think a lot of kids are just remote control. You know, it's just they're going through the process and they fall into something and be it because their family is or just because somebody else did it or whatever. And it's not mindful. Yeah. And so this is trying to wake everybody up and say, be mindful from day one, start much closer to bullseye and you'll have a much happier, more productive career. And that's what the whole goal is. Have you ever felt uh, in your well, it's going to be 26 plus years because you've been working mm -hmm. a lot longer than 26 years, but 26 years right. for the company you're with. Yeah. Have you ever had that feeling that I described at the beginning of being in the right place at the right time? Yeah. I mean, the 26 years with the O'Connell group have flown. I mean, it's, it's shocking to me. Really? And, and 26 yeah. years. I can't believe it. It was just yesterday. <laughs> That's what it feels like. But, you know, and it's not like everything's perfect. Life isn't perfect. But, yeah, I love the company. I love the job. I love what I do. You know, I love the value we add to our candidates in terms of building their career, to our clients in terms of building businesses. And then the fact that get to take it beyond that and, and to the broader population and leave a legacy. And, and, you know, the thing about this book is, well, yes, it was written for the young professional, it is so appropriate for anything. You know, the articles and the target as you read the beginning chapter is targeted a little more towards the college kid. Mm -hmm. And yet the information in it is relevant for the career changer. Or I had somebody who I've worked with for 15 years who was interviewing for a new job. And she was like, Chris, I had your book by my bedside. And she said, you would laugh because every night as I went to bed, I would read it. Okay, I'm interviewing. I'm highlighting all the interview chapters and I'm doing my index cards. Now I have two offers and I'm negotiating. She's like, it is my Bible. And that is the hope. That it's not, it's, you read it once, but then you go back to it time and time again throughout your career. Because not everybody stays at the same job like I did with the uh, religious station. Right. I was there for 15 years. You've been there for 26 years. Yeah. I now am about to celebrate uh, my, um, uh, I, uh, celebrating my 
is it 14, 12 or 4? I'd say 2006, 16, 26, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Uh, yeah, 14, 14 years at this job. Nice. Uh, probably closer, you know. And and and, and uh, I've been at other places for maybe not that long. I've had one job that was only six months. Actually, my shortest job was actually uh, one day. I went to work for them. And they called me the next day telling me, don't come in. We've decided to allocate these resources in a different direction rather than a salary for me. So, and, and in 2000, I was laid off four times, four times. Okay. And now the first two times I went and I filed for unemployment, right? No big deal. Of course, you don't get anything for the first two weeks. Right. Within that two weeks, I got the next job. <laughs> All right. Then I got laid off from that job. So I went to unemployment. And I applied. Within the next two weeks, I got another job. Okay. So when I got laid off from that job, I said, I'm not bothering going to unemployment again because I'm going to get another job in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of learn as you go. It's like, okay, it's not that I chose the wrong places, but this is teaching me what I need to be doing and uh, so right. forth. Cause I can't control what the corporation or the company is going to do. They want to reallocate the resources. That's entirely up to them. You know? Right. And I, I think that's a key thing also, Richard, is we can't, sh we can't change what's going on in the world yeah. with COVID and the pandemic. Right. What we can do is change what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's really key to continue to learn, to use the time to network, to get your resume ready, to do your interview prep, to get yourself poised. So as the market explodes, which it is doing, you are ready. Well, I'll be terrible at market uh, at interview prep because I don't. Uh, not for not. I mean, yes, I have the book and I have the PR information and all that stuff. I I went to the Larry King School of Broadcasting. The late Larry King was a mentor yeah. of mine. And um, uh, when I used to listen to him on a mutual broadcasting network in the 80s, he always talked about uh, his, his, uh, the way he prepared for an interview. He didn't. Back then, he took phone calls from listeners. And yeah. he wanted to be as fresh as the listeners were. They didn't know anything about his guest. And he right. didn't want to know anything about his guest either. He wanted to be able to ask those uh, spontaneous questions. Well, th from my perspective, that's where my intuition comes in. Because... The universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. And I thank you for being along for the ride. This has been fantastic. I have th absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this. And it's given me some ideas as far as, uh, for example, expanding and, and moving forward with what I want to do. Obviously, uh, it's, it, it's a little different, but it's kind sure. of the same thing. It is kind of the same yep. thing because I, I am really looking for maybe a network that would be willing to sponsor this program and take it right. na nationwide as far as terrestrial, even though I know I'm already global because I'm on YouTube and all of these other uh, play, uh, platforms. Right. But uh, there is something about being able to just not have to think about that other part of the balancing act that we talked about earlier. Right. Uh, and just go full steam ahead and say, look, folks, there are so many people out there with so many Great opportunities for you. As we like to say again, choices and knowledge of those choices. If you don't know that a choice exists, how can you choose it? So we want to bring that to the forefront. And that's what, that's what we're doing here today with you, Chris Holmes, and your book, Ignite Your Career. We hope that people will check out your website, igniteyourcareerbook.com. And I thank you so much for joining us. I do have three final questions for you that I would like to ask, if I may, before okay. we wrap up. Before I do that, I want to remind our listeners and viewers on YouTube that you uh, can hear these programs Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times, as well as this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we also are on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations, as well as YouTube, as I mentioned, where you can watch these interviews. You can also subscribe to the uh, to the uh, interviews, both on YouTube as well as the other uh, podcast locations. And I hope that you will. Uh, and also, if you'd like to support the work that we're doing, if this resonates with you, if you like what we're bringing to you, uh, please, please support us financially if you can. That's why we have a PayPal and Patreon account. That is for your security as well as ours. And please participate in the decade of 20, the 20s 
2020, the decade of perfect vision, where we ask you to spend time listening to that still small voice, as well as finding that still, quiet, calm, peaceful place where maybe if you're really struggling trying to find that job, that career position, what have you, that you're looking for, that entry level, whatever it is, whether you're 16 or 60, I'm 60, uh, please take that time because you're going to get the answers that you need for you, even if it's just to tell you, you're doing okay, just keep moving forward, you're doing fine, life is good, and it will come, just be patient. Keep doing the work you're doing. Don't stop doing that. Keep moving. Keep putting out those resumes. Keep making those phone calls. Be yep. patient. It will come. And uh, so please take that time uh, during this decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Okay. Now to my three final questions. To my guest, who I am very grateful, who has joined us here on the program today. The first of those three is, or are, Ooh. anyway, I uh, won't get into grammar right now. Who is... Who is Chris Holmes? Um, she is a mother, wife, uh, career coach, author, executive recruiter, friend, and uh, podcaster. How's that? All right. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Make a difference in people's lives. Help them get clarity on where they want to go and give them the tools to get there. And finally, what is your life's purpose? to make a difference. Again, I thank you so much, Chris Holmes, for joining us on the program. And I encourage people to go to your website, which we will be linked to, igniteyourcareerbook.com. And we thank you again for joining us here on the program. Richard, thank you so much. And I thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I cannot believe how charged up I am. And this has been an hour-long interview, and I should be exhausted. I thank you again for watching and listening. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to lol.